0: Hello and welcome to the Sound of Space, a podcast brought to you by the University of Toronto Aerospace Team. All right, and welcome back to episode ten of the Sound of Space. This is a monumental moment here. We've reached our first uh, tenth episode, <laughs> uh, our first decade of t sauce. <laughs> um, so, anyways. Uh, We're going to continue off where we kind of left in the last episode where we were talking about cosmology, astrology, all these cool things that happen, you know, beyond our planet and not the technical stuff, just more of, you know, the beauty of the universe, where it started, how it formed and where we're going. So that's kind of where we left off. If you haven't listened to that episode, maybe go listen to that one uh, before you come back here because we did a bit on stars and galaxies and element formation, all that. Um, but right now we're going to get into some other topics. Uh, so we'll kind of just start with, you know, some cool phenomena that happen in space. And then we're going to move on into, you know, things that are being theorized right now. You know, how do black holes work? What are they? Things like dark energy, dark matter. And then we're going to delve into theories about the end of the universe uh, to wrap up this episode. So, Let's hop into just kind of some other phenomena that happen out there uh, in space. Uh, so one that we can start with is rogue planets. Um, so that is exactly what it sounds like, planets that have gone rogue. And that usually happens in binary systems. So binary systems uh, in astronomy, that's a system that consists of two stars that are gravitationally bound. They obey Kepler's laws of motion, they orbit each other uh, they've got a common center of mass and all this. And basically what happens um, is that sometimes the gravitational force of one of the stars could disrupt the orbit of a planet that was orbiting that star and just fling it out of the system. Um, so there are, you know, a billion of these, a hundred billion of these um, in certain galaxies. Uh, and so that's just, you know, one interesting phenomenon that happens.
1: You can imagine it's pretty cold and lonely for the life of these planets because, you could be traveling for light years, and not see any
2: any real system that you could get bound back into.
0: No, oh, just looking for friends
2: or rogue planets.
0: <laughs> Anyways,
2: um, moving on. We've got uh, some kind of there's. We've kind of chatted a bit about of so, stars and uh, how they're born, but we didn't so much talk about the evolution of their life, right? So. From their moment of birth as a star, um, there is kind of a typical path that uh, stars tend to take. Right, they tend to fuse hot and fast the beginning in their core, and be really really hot. And then they tend to slowly slowly cool down as the as the fusion reaction slows down in their core. And as they slow down, you've kind of got this temperature gradient. Right, blue means really hot, red means really Cold, but still really hot, um, and uh, it kind of goes along this gradient. You know, we're kind of at a nice yellow sun right now, but eventually this will happen to our sun too, where uh, as it, this this t- reaction slows down at its core, it starts expanding, right? Because um, it just starts expanding until it turns into this red giant, right? And actually, this is the point at which it is theorized that. For sure, 100% life on Earth will be extinct because uh, red giants expand so much that it would actually engulf the Earth. Um, so that entire space you see between the sun and us right now, it would actually be gone. Like the sun would be at this point. Um, There's so a lot of expansion. That's a huge expansion. and. Uh, so, those are kind of the, the typical path. And then, once it expands to this point, you know, it can die in various ways. Like, we, you know, there's supernovas, there's other forms of death for stars. Mm-hmm.
0: So, it goes from red giant to white dwarf. And then, white dwarf, um, like Katen said, so they can become nova. And that, that's what happens when they kind of accumulate. And then they can later just explode out. So that can become a supernova so that's this this explosion when the entire star including the white dwarf core um is just you know it just expands it just blows up uh and supernova they leave behind either neutron stars or black holes uh we'll go a bit more into black holes later but basically this the distinction is that uh neutron stars are formed from smaller stars. So if the mass has a core of less than three solar masses, when we say solar masses, that means the mass of, you know, our sun. Uh, So if it's uh, either three times as large as our sun or smaller, then you'll get a neutron star. If it's larger than that, that's where you get a black hole and the remains of the supernova. So whatever did not become either that neutron star, or the black hole that can form new stars. And then they go through that whole cycle.
1: And yeah, as we mentioned in the last episode about where elements form in terms of fusion, that's also where you you see this dispersing of the heavier elements to form these planets and whatever the other phenomena are that we see in different solar systems. Certainly a lot of action going on in terms of how suns or, or stars start and end. That kind of process is is fixed, but then once they explode, they produce these phenomena that we then observe.
2: You know, and this is the typical path that stars uh, undergo. But uh, there's also some atypical paths, like sometimes stars can go straight from um, giant red giants to supernova, or um, in other cases, they can go straight to white dwarfs if they're depending on their their life path, basically um so each star is unique and follows their own unique life path
0: that's so inspirational (laughs) because we are all stars and we can i'll stop okay (laughs) um but anyways one of those really unique uh paths that stars uh can kind of pursue is uh ending up as a black hole and black holes are these cool things we hear a lot um about and and like we discussed earlier that's basically a star dies and if it's a very large star you get this black hole and a black hole is a region in space where gravity is so strong that light cannot escape and actually we generally like will visualize black holes as black holes because that's what the name is right but that's not actually what it, it's just invisible uh, it's not actually a black hole
2: <laughs> and i guess that name kind of comes from the idea that when something is invisible invisible against a black background of space it kind of just looks like yeah a black it's- imperceptible yeah <laughs> um and it's it's crazy because uh black holes aren't actually that large in size right the the whole idea is that they're just this they're almost they're a singularity right they're they're this this area of space where all our rules physics of rules of physics kind of break down because there's just this almost quasi infinite amount of mass in a very small, minuscule point of space. And the thing is, what we observe, this, this blank region, um, is actually not the, it's, it itself is not a black hole. It would just be that point, right? And the reason we have all this is because there's this thing called the event horizon. And the event horizon is basically the point at which even light The gravity is so strong from this black hole, from this super small point of mass that even light cannot escape. And of course, the the distance from the center of that that event horizon is uh, dependent on just how massive the black hole is. But uh, that's basically what we observe to be the black hole, because it's called the event horizon, because we can't see anything Mm -hmm. beyond that and anything that is on the event horizon appears to be unmoving
0: Mm -hmm. so hypothetically if you know the three of us me katan and jaden we're all chilling we walk past a black hole and then uh you know someone goes past the event horizon and they're dead right they're gone we still see them they're just chilling right there because um yeah like nothing can escape unless you're moving faster than the speed of light and as far as we know nothing does that
2: and i mean theoretically i mean we be dead well before it, even yes, that yes. but um <laughs> but uh see I, i'd like to correct one thing though this is kind of one of Hopkins' biggest uh discoveries right the idea that nothing escapes a black hole but black hole still produces radiation
1: right mm-hmm. and it escapes that, in a way that we don't really understand un- understand yeah. conventionally
2: right and because theoretically if light can't escape it how can its own radiation right mm-hmm. and uh, that's where Hawking radiation comes in, because he basically theorized that as all objects do, black holes would produce some form of radiation. And he went out and proved that. And that's one of the reasons why you know, Stephen Hawking became so famous.
1: Yeah, it's pretty much this little trickle of energy, which is how black holes eventually will dissipate. And this will take you know many billions of years, but that's a component to the kind of end of the universe discussion that we'll have for sure in terms of how they, they emanate. The,
2: the funny part about black holes is how similarly they act to stars. Uh, yeah. Because in their because I mean, they basically were stars. And they, just like stars, a lot of the behavior is centered around their massive gravitational pull. And just like stars, they can attract objects bring them into some kind of orbit and that's kind of how like we discussed we have supermassive black holes at the center of galaxies that's mm-hmm. kind of how galaxies are formed uh but they can even have multiple black hole systems right you can have systems of orbiting black holes you can have systems where smaller black, colliding holes black holes are, or you can have colliding black holes you know a bunch of crazy stuff and they can even form things like accretion disks like stars where they will form that's basically a massive scale formation of objects around the black hole. So um, it, it's kind of pretty cool, the, the parallels you can draw there. It's very
1: much the same phenomena that we see with solar systems, where mass is drawn toward the center. In something like a galaxy, that accretion disk is a very dense area of stars and solar systems around this black hole. One of the other parallels between black holes and stars is the spin so internal to stars you have this kind of plasma soup that is producing a magnetic field because ultimately a magnetic field is generated by the flow of electrons so you've got this massive electron soup inside of these stars and you see a similar phenomena in black holes where you have this spin and this is where we can see things like quasars, where that spin of the black hole, and this is, of course, getting deep in the weeds of kind of astrophysics, that spin starts producing these jets of uh, particles coming out of the center of the galaxy. So one of the phenomena that um, that we can see from the way in which black holes form and, and the the mass around them.
0: Yeah. And another thing, going back to how we were saying that you can have things that are orbiting uh, black holes in this accretion disk kind of form. The objects that are around these black holes, um, so they're actually getting pulled in by this uneven gravitational force because the closer you get, you have this massive gradient of so much more gravitational pull from the black holes. And they just get elongated. And the term for that is actually called spaghettification. Uh, things that get closer to black holes just get kind of elongated. They just become spaghetti. Uh, so if we were ever to get close to a black hole, we would die as spaghettis. Um, and yeah, the first image of a black hole was actually very, it was taken very, very recently, 2019. So uh, three, three years ago, it was... Very exciting, but I feel like most people across popular media didn't really understand what was so exciting about it because if you do Google the photo now, uh, if you haven't seen it before, it's nothing very impressive if you don't really understand what you're looking but at.
2: I think it's because we've all got all these crazy artistic representations exactly, of black yeah. holes, which are probably quite accurate because I'm, I remember even that uh, that one that took terabytes of data to create that they're based on actual physical models. Mm-hmm. But the crazy part about this, this is the first direct observation yep. of, it was like also a, a wandering black hole, I believe that was just going through the, the like it was kind of traveling through the, through space. Um, uh, or I think actually, they. Observed I think this one was recently.
0: actually the center of a galaxy, the M- okay. M87, which is 55 right. million light years away, which is also really far in terms of like, we were able to image it.
2: Uh, I, I, I remember recently at that, and I believe they, they imaged another yes. one, which was like yes. a wandering black You're hole. Right. So it's pretty cool. It's kind of like a rogue planet, but a black hole instead. So we talked about some cool phenomena regarding black holes, but there's also some phenomena relating to neutron stars. So we've got some, we've got pulsars and magnetars. And basically like Jaden said, a lot of these uh, phenomena are related to the spins of these objects. And as uh, these objects they create these electromagnetic waves and uh, radiation and uh, various different astrophysical phenomena and pulsars uh, are basically radiation pulsed due to the um, rotational energy of these neutron stars and those are quite common I believe compared to magnetars which there appears to be only uh, 26 in 2014 that were uh, like known confirmed to be
0: magnetars confirmed
2: yeah. to be magnetars yeah. but pulsars basically we've the interesting part is you can you can actually um, google this or search this up where we've actually turned those waves into or those pulses into sounds, mm-hmm. and they can we from those sounds we can hear the rates at which the the spit these uh, these neutron stars are spinning. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. And
0: pulsars have very like precise periods that we can identify. So if you are curious about you know what that sounds like, uh, you can go listen to it. But I hear that it's very loud. Um. So maybe turn your volume down when you're listening to it.
1: And so get this, let's just understand how ridiculous that is. You have a massive amount of matter in one location in space that has some rotation inside of it that's moving around electrons, producing an electromagnetic wave traveling through space that's pulsing. We see it on Earth and then convert that into vibrations in the air to your ears that you then hear mm-hmm. that is just a crazy and across a distance of say you know millions of light years yeah. that is a ridiculous string of events
0: it's very very artistic you can do very similar things like sonification of so many things like solar systems i think in the last episode i mentioned like solar systems will have some kind of resonance in terms of the the periods the rotation periods of the planets and you can actually go online and kind of search up like what does that resonance sound like some of them sound like like music and it's just like wow that's just what the universe naturally is kind of emitting so yeah you're you're right jane this is absolutely insane it's really cool that we're able to take that data and transform it into some kind of artistic medium there's so much you can do now with like ai um and just it's nuts
1: Mm -hmm. not this boring physical representation (laughs) but there's actually a very artistic uh, interpretation as well
2: right and just quickly also summing up magnetars they're basically similar to pulsars but in terms instead of radiation it's magnetic fields and they have the most intense magnetic fields that we have ever discovered for example The suns would be something between one to five Gauss, which is Gauss is a measure of uh, uh, the strength of a magnetic field. And some of these are in the order of 10 to the 15 Gauss. So insane, insane magnetic fields. But kind of moving on from some of these phenomena, we talked a bit about in the last episode about uh, dark matter, um, also briefly mentioned or may have mentioned dark energy and some of the basically components that construct the universe. I think the kind of interesting, scary, kind of weird fact is that we have no idea what any of this stuff is. And the even more interesting, scary, interesting, weird fact is that um, the observable matter that we actually see in our world is something like uh five percent of all matter and the rest of everything is just a combination of dark energy and dark matter most of which is dark energy which we again have no idea what it entails so
1: it's pretty much a, a variable right so what we're seeing is this acceleration of the universe from the big bang and we're like, oh, why is it accelerating? We don't really know. That doesn't line up with our understanding of... Acceleration the, the... of
2: the expansion of mm-hmm. the universe. Yes.
1: Right, right. And so that expansion acceleration is needs to be accounted for by some variable, which is what we're calling dark energy. Yeah,
0: range. it's like you you kind of form a mathematical model and you're like okay, well, something's missing. We don't know what it is. So let's just tag on this extra variable. We don't fully understand. We're going to give it a fancy name uh, and just hope that someone someday can kind of describe what's going on.
2: Let's just pause for a minute to appreciate how insane this concept is, though. Yeah. Because for a while, people had been theorizing, oh, maybe the universe might be infinite. Maybe it is finite. And then Hubble discovered, oh, actually, things are receding away from us, which means there must be some kind of expansion. But then this discovery came around that not only was the universe expanding, but it was expanding faster and faster.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Like, not only is it getting bigger, but it's getting bigger faster. Yeah. Which is something that's insane to think about because there doesn't seem to be a reason why this would happen. What would be causing it to accelerate? What is forcing that? way? We, we can't see anything that would cause this phenomena. And that's where that extra variable came in, right? Where there, there has to be this composition, this, this energy in the universe, which is causing this, and it is mathematically modeled as a constant. But like you said, we have no idea what that constant actually is.
1: One of the theories that we'll kind of get into for the end of the universe is this crunch where gravity pulls everything back together. And so in that sense, you could predict some kind of deceleration. But what we're seeing with an acceleration is that there's some presence that is applying that acceleration. So something has to be still acting on all the matter in the universe to disperse it from the Big Bang.
2: So, it, it and it's very interesting because uh, a lot of physicists have looked at this problem, and the, the, the question is uh, so, there's a point where the acceleration due to dark energy is overcome due to the gravity and proximity of massive objects. For example, um, eventually, our night sky we will not see any other galaxies, because they have all receded so far from us that light can no longer reach us. Uh, they're accelerating faster than the speed of light. And the, that's just crazy to think about. And you, you think about, okay, but but the speed of light, that's, that's the maximum speed of the universe, right? But that's the maximum speed of objects in the universe, but not the maximum speed of the universe itself. right the universe itself can break its own laws and go faster than it can expand at a rate that's faster than the laws which it enforces and nobody told the universe what the laws were exactly Mm -hmm. the universe (laughs) creates the laws so it's crazy to think about but there's this point where gravitational attraction will overcome that for example we will collide with a drama no matter how fast we are accelerating away from it um And the question was, is there enough mass in the universe to eventually slow down the expansion of the universe? And I think uh, what has been commonly accepted so far and based on calculations is that the answer is no. So the idea of this um, big crunch, this eventual uh snapping back towards a singularity um has been kind of moved away from
0: yeah and when we talk about the expansion and you mentioned andromeda and how we're you know moving further apart um i think also something that we had mentioned in the last episode was hubble's law right so it's like that acceleration is proportional to the distance that you are Um, so for example between the milky way galaxy and andromeda so we would probably be accelerating further apart um, at a slower rate than us and a a more distant galaxy so you can think of it as like uh i don't know like you're blowing up like a a balloon yeah you drew you drew like two i don't know dots on your balloon or something and you know you're blowing it up and the the closer dots are going to move apart slower ones that are further apart they're you know just zooming further apart from each other so I guess that would explain some things like why these collisions are still possible to be occurring. And then things that are further away from us are moving away faster. And then things that are closer towards us are moving away slower.
2: So what blew my mind about that is that we have this concept of the observable universe. And that's the idea that we can only see as far as light has traveled since the beginning of the universe, right? So we can only see as far into the past as the light has reached us. And with this acceleration of the expansion of the universe and how the idea is, you know, maybe there's actually already been an acceleration far away to the point that we will never see the things that, you know, were further away. Right. We have no idea. It, the crazy part about it is that the observable universe is actually getting smaller. You know, we would think, okay, over time, we'll see more of the universe because more light will reach us. It's actually not true because the expansion is expanding so fast that eventually it will shrink and shrink and shrink until we can only see at least probably our galaxy because it will overcome the expansion of the acceleration of the expansion of the universe. And that is scary to me. I don't know about you.
0: Guys. It's just also crazy. Yeah, it is terrifying.
2: I mean, we're thinking about trillions of years. From I mean, now, yeah, so- not in our life.
0: <laughs> But it is crazy to think about kind of like the the fate of the universe. And we kind of danced around the the topic of dark matter and we can maybe very briefly touch it before we move on to more discussion about the end of the universe. So dark energy is this explanation of what is the energy that's, you know, making the universe expand. And then dark matter is something that explains, you know, the the parts of the universe that we can't really explain. So like Katan mentioned earlier, like there's five percent. Uh, of things that we can kind of identify as, you know, matter and energy. We know exactly what they are. There's 95% of the universe that we can't really explain. It's just what we label as dark matter. And basically we're able to identify this dark matter because like we were mentioning earlier with mathematical models, it's like sometimes things just don't make sense right? So they don't absorb light. They don't reflect reflect light. It doesn't emit light. And then the gravitational pull in certain regions, like it just doesn't make sense. Like you're observing certain things and you're like, according to the laws of physics that we observe in most of the universe in this particular area is just something wonky is going on. And then that's where we go. Okay. There's some kind of dark matter here.
2: Something wonky. Yeah. Something yes. wonky. So even back in the 1930s, there were astronomers, astronomers that were kind of theorizing about why these, like, uh, the the first astronomer supposedly to think about this was uh, Fritz Zwicky, and he was thinking about the fact that uh, measuring the amount of matter inside a cluster of galaxies didn't seem to account for its gravitational pull, and it so this seems to be a consistent phenomena when we look at large scale objects it's a bit harder to detect on small scale objects because the the amount of um it's hard to detect these gravitational differences but if you look at large scale objects it seems to be more obvious that there is clearly a lot of mass and matter that is missing and that's where the concept of dark matter comes from
0: awesome let's let's go on to talking about the end the death Talk of the universe, the and we the already death. kind of we already kind of touched on the big crunch. So that's one of the theories um, that we already described. And then there's a few there's a few other uh, theories things, and they all have fun names: the big chill, the big rip, uh, the big crunch. Reminds me of uh, I, to- <laughs> I told I told the story at one point, but when we were in elementary school, they would make everyone butt into an apple at the same time, and then they would just be like, "Oh yeah, let's hear the crunch." You could never hear the crunch, um, but that so might be the fate I of our feel- universe.
2: <laughs> Somehow, I feel like that is a lot more fun than the crunch that we are talking (laughs) about. Oh, yeah, definitely,
0: definitely. They're just encouraging us to eat apples. So
1: when we talk about the death of the universe here, we're kind of talking about how does all the free energy in the system resolve? So at the start of the Big Bang, we've got this massive substance of energy that is distributing itself. And then the theories that are being proposed are what's going to happen to that at T equals infinity. So you've got the the most time for the experiment that is the universe to run. What happens? So the one theory, yeah, big crunch, is all the matter in the universe pulls back on itself like an elastic band. It flies back together. And then there might be some kind of suggestion of a cyclic nature to the universe where all that matter conglomerates into one point again and then there's this massive point of energy but there's there's kind of thermodynamic considerations in terms of the laws of thermodynamics where a closed system is always increasing entropy
2: so yeah we we talked about the the big crunch and the whole returning to singularity and the cyclical nature but the i think to me honestly the the most likely outcome and i think uh it's been described as currently the theory because of um the whole idea of dark energy and the universe expanding at accelerating rate is that eventually things will just keep expanding things will be so far away from each other that even light won't really be able to reach them and eventually this 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 will result in things um Having a maximum entropy and a minimum temperature, things will start to cool down throughout the universe. The big—they call that heat death or the big chill, right? And this is just uh, has been described as a dark, isolated universe. Yeah. And if what we have observed so far with uh, the expansion of the universe accelerating and is true, this seems to be a likely outcome because things will be so far away that they can't even interact with each other and um at that point uh if exponential expansion keeps increasing even uh even individual planets stars will be black holes will be ripped away or driven away from each other until there is nothing left but darkness it's terrifying just darkness there's uh, another theory
1: the big rip, which is that that kind of depending on our understanding of dark energy and how the acceleration of the universe continues, that if that continues without stopping, all of the matter in the universe will eventually be pulled apart by that acceleration. So decomposed into the different elements, and then even those elements will pull apart until kind of in the same way as heat death, where there's not enough energy to do anything here they're just the the composition of of matter is being pulled apart and is is too uniform to really support any higher level function in the universe
0: yeah so like it was saying like the big chill is the one that kind of seems like it probably makes the most sense right now because it's supported by like current measurements and then, you know, Big Crunch, Big Rip, all these big things um, are kind of within the the boundaries of that theory. So it's within the uncertainties of that theory. And then one other theory, which is kind of this this new thing that's being theorized from quantum field theory is called vacuum decay. And that's this idea that a vacuum is going to form somewhere in the universe and stretch through all the space. And then physics just changes. It's just completely different, like not like anything that we've understood or been able to describe currently. Um and then that can completely change the outcome of how the universe might end.
2: The reason that would be it's because it's just not would that it theorized that would just happen would be that there would be some changes uh, related to the the properties of electromagnetism as the universe uh, ages and expands. And that is what would be kind of. The 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 cause of this uh, phenomena, but it's interesting to think that um, all the phenomena for the end of the universe that we've we've discussed mostly are related to dark energy. It seems to be not only the driving force of the universe, but also the thing that seems to be likely to end it one way or the other.
0: And it's something that we don't even really understand.
1: <laughs> yeah that uh, talking about this whole topic of cosmology and astronomy astrophysics the fascinating part is there's so much more to be known and to be understood that as we keep looking into the topic that just enriches our understanding of how we explore the universe how we expand consciousness out into the stars and that brings us to the end
2: And this is indeed the end, because today we'll be saying bye to our beloved co-host. Our beloved (laughs) co-host. Our beloved co-host, who will be leaving us, sadly, uh, and going on to bigger and greater things. So, Jaden, would you like to say bye to everyone?
1: It's been a pleasure. been great talking about these different topics with you guys, talking about whatever topics our hosts, our uh, guests get to talk to so certainly been a pleasure and looking forward to seeing what you guys do with the rest of the podcast
0: yeah and just to be clear Jaden's not leaving because he dislikes <laughs> uh, Jaden's graduating. at least we right? don't and think so he's doing cool things he's doing <laughs> cool things guys um, and it was really awesome having you on you know the the first kind of round uh, and this is pretty much the wrap of our first season it's been a really exciting project to work on
1: absolutely it's so fun to see these student initiatives come to life and to be a part of it and yeah there's so much more to be explored in the podcast that not just in terms of topics but in terms of formats and outreach opportunities really looking forward to seeing what you guys do
0: so for our listeners if you enjoyed season one um let us know as always on the instagram and give us your suggestions for season two because we're going to be prepping for that soon we hope to speak to you there as well
2: Thank you for joining us in this episode. We had a chance to talk about many cool space phenomena and also did not have a chance to talk about many others, such as some wormholes, you know, Einstein, Rosen bridges. But we'd really like to hear from you guys about maybe what some of your favorite space phenomena are. So feel free to hit us up at underscore the sound of space on Instagram.
0: Yeah. And just as we are wrapping up our season, uh, we would like to give out some huge thank yous because this is this podcast is definitely a team effort and our voices are nothing uh, without all the people who, you know, work behind it. So the three of us, you already know us, Theo, Katan, Jaden, we were the three hosts um, this season. Uh, and then a lot of the information that comes to you guys and all of the research and the science that goes into it comes from our research team. So I'm going to shout out those names, Hargoon, uh, Katarina, Nahar, Uzair, Taymor, and Afrin. Uh, and then we've got our marketing specialist and she basically makes all the beautiful graphics on our Instagram account and runs that. Uh, Bonnie, Thank you, Bonnie. And then we've also got our business development representative, Kashish, uh, and she basically looks out for outreach opportunities, make sure that we can you know get booths at conferences and you know get into newsletters and all this. Uh, and then finally, we've got our sound editor, Shar, uh, and they basically make sure that everything comes together uh, and gets, to you guys Uh, so honestly like I just want to say huge thank you to all of those folks and it was a a pleasure working with all of them and uh, we're very excited for what we can bring to you in our next season.
1: And the Sound of Space is a part of the University of Toronto Aerospace team's policy division so other activities on the policy division side is the space review so putting out content on. Some very fascinating topics happening in the aerospace industry. That's another great avenue to get this information and get involved. And certainly for this project, this podcast, we're here because we think aerospace is super cool and is moving. And we think that more people should get to know what is going on, both technically in terms of what we are doing in terms of advances in space and also all the great things as we see in this episode the different phenomena of space. So if you'd like to learn more, feel free to listen to our last episodes, if you haven't and stay tuned for more. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. You can follow us on Instagram at underscore the sound of space to continue the conversation and let us know your thoughts on all things, aerospace. We hope you've enjoyed listening to The Sound of Space.
0: Enjoy learning about the leading developments in the space industry? Check out the Winter 2022 issue from the UTAT Space Review, a student-run and expert-reviewed magazine brought to you by the Division of Aerospace Law and Policy. Every year, they publish two issues with articles from students across U of T's tri-campuses. See the links in our description to read the new issue and details on how you can become part of the team.